A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Get in the long with a bunch of demons. We believe that human beings are demons. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but... God, he's in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. <laughs> My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are, are gods by faith in his son... <laughs> Right, two Corinthians, three seven. Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. <laughs> and... Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. <laughs> so put your trust in the sovereign risen king. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 57. I'm your host, The Evangelical Norm. So, The Master's Dog is my podcast where I deal with false teachers, false doctrine, false theology, you name it, we deal with it here. Started out as Faith and Beliefs Refuted, where I responded to any of the videos put out by Saints Unscripted, formerly known as Three Mormons, under their faith and beliefs uh, segment of their podcast. So, and then as I got into it, I decided I wanted to deal with more than just the LDS stuff. So it became the master's dog based off of the quote that you heard at the beginning of the intro by Calvin. So with that, today we are back to our roots. We are dealing with Saints Unscripted. David Snell is going to take us through some of the stuff in their faith and beliefs. And, you know, the last few episodes was the kind of the flyover of the Mormon view of Christian history up to the birth of Joseph Smith, apparently, and that's where they stopped. I was actually kind of hoping to get a little bit of the early history of the church uh, thrown in there, but of the LDS church, we'll put it that way. 
but they didn't do it. And today, David is going to take us through a little bit of uh, baptisms for the dead and so on. So with that, we are going to let David do what he does and um, I'll do what I do, which is pause every so often and talk about uh, what he's talking about. So with that, let's go ahead and jump in and look at uh, baptisms for the dead. Hey guys, this is going to be a super important episode. What about dinner? Crank, this is kind of important. How about dessert? We're going to talk about missionary work in the spirit world and baptisms for the dead. We've got a lot to cover, so let's do it. So I've mentioned before, and I'll mention it again, as they make these videos, they throw these little cutesy little clips in here and there that kind of, the the intention is, as far as I see it, uh, to kind of take a serious note and then create, make something funny out of it, and it kind of lessens the edge. Uh, so when you hear it and you see it, it, it might be something that you go that just doesn't sound right but then they they kind of throw in these little little cutesy things to go oh well it it's a psychological thing it really is what it all that or it's just that they they feel you don't have the attention span um one or the other either way they're really truly insulting their audience uh by doing these things unless you like it i don't know just weird so just a little side note okay so here's the conundrum latter-day saints believe that you cannot enter the kingdom of god without accepting christ as your savior and obeying his command to participate in essential ordinances like baptism i'm a little concerned about your salvation and stuff how come you have not been baptized but these requirements raise some issues because the simple fact is that most of humanity has lived and died without ever having had the opportunity to learn about Jesus Christ or be baptized. Some people believe these unlucky souls are simply condemned. Latter-day Saints believe that it would not be just for God to bar people from his presence because of circumstances they had no control over. So what do we do about So this is the first thing we'll, we'll kind of stop and talk about. Matthew 7 Jesus actually talks about, he's, he talks about why it is the path that leads to destruction. And many are there that find it. And narrow is the gate that leads to life. And few are there that find it. And so it's talking about entering by the, the narrow gate. Jesus himself makes it very clear that throughout history, far more people are going to be walking on that path that leads to destruction than there will be on the path that leads to life. Um, so again, and, and it comes down to God will have mercy upon whom he will have mercy. It's the sovereignty of God. We look at things like Romans where it says that even the heavens declare the, the glory and, and the work of God's uh, hand and Man was, is without an excuse. We all have that conscience that we know when, when things are sinful. So God is always just in punishing those who sin. Um, God is always just in who he draws to Christ and who he gives to Christ and applies the salvation that Christ, uh, were, uh, that Christ died on the cross for. Uh, to those people. So no matter what God does, it is just. 
This is an emotional thing where we look at it and we go, well, we don't feel like that's just that God would would condemn someone who never had a chance to hear about Jesus, whether they died before he was uh, walked the earth in his ministry or lived in an area where um, they weren't didn't have access. If God intended for them to have access to the gospel, they would have access to the gospel. Um, for those who who died before, there were many um, Abraham, and I mean we see the in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews twelve. <laughs> no, I'm drawing a blank. It's either Hebrews eleven or twelve. Is the the hall of heroes essentially the the heroes of the faith? Um, I'm pretty sure it's twelve, where we see all these people, this great cloud of witnesses, right? That that. We're looking forward to the day of Christ that, that knew he, he was coming and looking forward and it was credited to them as righteousness. So God maintains his sovereignty over all of this and he is always just in that and in the words of Jesus. So this is not something that is hard to deal with um, unless we are applying and projecting our own um, human emotions onto uh, God. About all these people who died never even having heard the name Jesus before. Burn already! Burn already! Well, the scriptures and modern revelation reveal a beautiful solution. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah cool. Latter-day Saints believe that after we die, we do not immediately go to heaven or hell, but rather we wait for the second coming and final judgment in a place we just call the spirit world. The spirit world! The place where righteous spirits who accepted Christ live, we call paradise. The place where all other spirits reside, we call spirit prison. But it's important to note that this spirit world is not heaven or the kingdom of God or whatever you want to call it. And it's fascinating how the Bible talks about this place. For example, on the cross, Christ turns to the man next to him and says, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And yet three days later, after Christ's resurrection, he says to Mary Magdalene, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. So apparently for those three days, Christ had been somewhere called paradise with other spirits, but that is not where God the Father is. So what was he doing in this spirit world during those three days? 1 Peter chapter 3 gives us a clue. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient. And in the next chapter, for for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Okay, so now we're going to stop here, and I have to... I have to grab my Bible, because I marked... These, these couple of spots here. At least I thought I did. So, as he's talking about this, now we do look at, I mean, there are places in the Bible where it makes a distinction between um, the kingdom of God uh, and so on. But we also, 
you know, with the the thief on the cross, paradise. We see in the parable in Luke 16 where uh, Lazarus goes to the bosom of Abraham and the rich man go, goes to Hades. We see in Revelation where it talks about Hades will be cast into the lake of fire. So there are a few places that kind of uh, imply that that while we are here there is a different place and then we know there will be a new heaven and a new earth and and so on but nowhere does it actually imply that that there is an opportunity i mean luke chapter 16 makes it very clear the the parable in luke 16 that there is no crossing from one to another there is no ability to get out of one to another um the the first peter 3 uh verse that he he mentioned there and let me grab it really quick um and read that and we'll we'll kind of deal with that for christ suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. So, apparently King James it says that it was preached. Here it says he proclaimed. He went and actually proclaimed victory to those, and, and basically it was... I mean, another sense of, of condemnation for those who, who had disobeyed. This was not a preaching of the, of the gospel to where they could accept and cross from one side to another, because we've already seen Jesus has made that clear. The Bible says it is pointed once for man to die and then judgment. There is no ability to cross any, any chasm or abyss or anything like that from, from Hades to, to paradise or heaven to hell after one has died. It's, it's impossible. Scripture makes it very clear that, that once you die, that's it. You either repented and put your faith in Christ before that, or you are going to have to stand before God in your own merits. And we all know that that is not going to work. Jesus, John 3.16, for those who... Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But Luke th John 3.18 makes it clear that those who do not believe are condemned already. And so this life is the place we have afterwards. There is no opportunity to accept the gospel and be saved. It, there's just not this 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 verse here this first peter 4 6 for this was the cause of the gospel also for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead it is, doesn't say that it is being preached it says it was preached this isn't actually a, a, a reference to the preaching of the gospel in the area and and peter's just talking about some of them have already died some that we preach the gospel to, that they died, that, that, and that they might be judged according to the men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. So that's what this is. This is not a verse that says it is okay, uh, or it is, excuse me, plausible to be saved after you die. Because, I mean, again, and we'll, we'll get into it some more, so I'm going to let him go on because he's going to get to the words of Paul here in a minute, and we're, I want to address that. So, neither one of these verses that he's just given or the, uh, 
the verses about the thief in paradise because again Jesus made it clear to the thief in par- the thief on the cross you'll be with me in paradise there's no baptism there and and he's not saying that you'll get an opportunity to be baptized Jesus never addresses that he's just he's basing it on the repentance of that man because again as we look at Jesus was baptized for those of us who would not be able to get baptized. I say those of us because for a long time I refused to be baptized. I have been now, but that was not my salvation. I was saved before. You know, Jesus, that's what Jesus didn't need baptism. So why was Jesus baptized? He told John to fulfill all righteousness so that his active obedience could be applied to those who were not, who, who could not or, or did not for whatever reason. Those who were saved, who weren't baptized, Jesus was baptized for them. You know, the only person who could be baptized for those who weren't baptized was Christ. None of the rest of us have the ability to do that. The Doctrine and Covenants teaches that Christ organized his forces and appointed messengers clothed with power and authority and commissioned them to go forth and carry the light of the gospel to them that were in darkness, even to all the spirits of men. And thus was the gospel preached to the dead. We believe that spirit world missionary work continues today. Christ knows that many people won't have the opportunity to learn the gospel in this life, so he gives them that opportunity after they've died. Likewise, many people haven't had the opportunity to be baptized in this life, so they are given the opportunity to accept a baptism after they've died. Now, since you can't baptize a spirit, we mortals perform these baptisms for the dead in temple baptismal fonts like this. No, we do not baptize corpses. These baptisms are actually very similar to normal baptisms, but instead of being baptized for yourself, you're baptized for and in behalf of the person who has passed on. Yeah, I was two times when I was LDS as a teenager. I went to the Denver Temple one year and then the following year. So an entire year apart, we went to the, the Denver Temple to do baptisms for the dead, and both times I was there, 15 times, I was baptized 15 times for 15 guys named Jose Martinez. Both times. So I have been baptized for a grand total of 30 different Jose Martinez's who are dead. And, uh, and that's, what, that's what they do. They, I, I still remember the, the, the whole thing. Uh, Norman Dunham having been commissioned to Jesus Christ, I baptize you for it on behalf of Jose Martinez, who is dead in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then they'd shift it. And the only thing that changed was, I mean, the names stayed the same, but the the thing and the birthday and the death date were the only things on the screen that changed um, as they slid this thing across. And, And literally, I was, the first year I went, I wanted to say it was 19, probably 86 or 87, and then 1988 or 89. Um, and yeah, so that's the, the way they do it. You get dunked. Generally it's teenagers that do it. Cause, uh, there's a lot of people that need to be baptized and apparently teenagers are easy to dunk. I don't know. They can then choose whether or not to accept that ordinance in the spirit world. I will accept- Who wouldn't here, here again, here, here is one of those things that, that kind of puts Mormonism in a, in a pseudo universalist category because I mean, they'll say they're not universalists, but they are in the sense that they believe the atonement of Christ gets everybody, regardless of of repentance or, uh, you know, belief, 
gets into one level of heaven or another the the terrestrial the telestial kingdom everyone's going to get into if you came to earth and took a body you're going to get there except guys like me who has held the priesthood and renounced it we get to be sons of perdition and we don't go to heaven or any level we're cast into outer darkness with satan and the demons but so everybody i mean quaku loves to talk use the the uh the illustration of the um nazi who butchered jews and killed jews and if he repents on his deathbed he gets into heaven but the jew who didn't repent that was killed by this guy goes to hell and quaku loves to use that but in mormonism that same nazi guard doesn't need to repent and he gets into the telestial kingdom of heaven simply for having been here and christ's atonement in the in the garden of gethsemane so to offer these people baptism who wouldn't? I mean, if, if all this were true and people are already in the spirit kingdom and they're able to see and, and do all this, why would they not? So everybody who gets a baptism for the dead is going to accept it. And so, again, you have universalism. Makes no difference what you did on earth. You could be an axe murderer, never repent, never be remorseful for whatever it is you did, and then get the opportunity to be baptized and after uh, you've already died. That does not bode well for the, the essence of justice. I mean, we're sitting in a time right now where, I mean, there's upheaval in our world because of riots and so on. Because of the death of a man, George Floyd, and people demand justice. But according to the Mormon the LDS, the Latter-day Saint theology, there is no justice. God is not just. Because no matter what, regardless of repentance or anything, everybody gets to heaven. So there is no justice. Righteous, the, the psalm that says that righteousness and, and justice is the foundation of his throne is a lie based on Mormon theology. Accept the offer. So will we. Because you have spoken first, your future and that world shall be good. This doctrine was restored through the prophet Joseph Smith in 1840. Now a lot of people want to know if there is any biblical evidence for baptisms for the dead. And we readily point to the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 15.29. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Okay, he says they readily point to this. They can only point to this because this is the only place in the Bible where the words baptized for the dead are used together. So if we go to this, if we go to 1 Corinthians 15, a, uh, a, a better uh, podcast host would have already had these uh, scriptures marked and saved and, and so on. But, you know, um, you got me. First <laughs> uh, Corinthians 15, I'm going to put this into context and we're going to back up. We're going to back up all the way to verse 12. And we're going to put all this in context. Now, if Christ, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, Paul is dealing with people who claim that there is no resurrection. That there, there's no resurrection at the, at the end of the age or anything like that. And so this is what he's, he's addressing. But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. He's saying, if there's no resurrection, why are we even worried about uh, 
worried about the gospel. I mean, we're, we're all just dead and worm food. Um, we are not, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If, uh, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in in subjection under him. When all these... Things when all the all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. Okay, there's a lot of stuff there just to say that that God is putting everything under his feet and Jesus is going to defeat all the enemies. The final enemy is death. And then at the end, he's going to present it all to the Father. um, And so that God can be all in all. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, in my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. So then he says there are people there, and he is refuting the practice. And David's going to get to that here in a second. But he is literally, one, refuting the practice of baptism for the dead, saying, why do they do it? There are these people that are not us that are being baptized on behalf of those people who are already dead, but they don't believe that there's even going to be a resurrection. So why are they bothering? It makes no sense. Paul is actually taking this and going, this this other belief makes no sense if you're doing this. He's saying your whole thing is confused. And he's saying, and, you know, we are out here preaching the gospel to you. And why would we risk our lives? I mean, he he's, um, if the dead are not... Um, why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ our Lord. I die every day. He's out there risking his life every day, preaching the gospel to people here. And if there's no resurrection, and if they can just be baptized for people after the dead, why are they bothering? Paul is re- literally refuting both of these ridiculous practices, the belief that there's no resurrection then if there's no resurrection, then Christ isn't raised. And why are you being baptized for dead people if there's no resurrection? And why are we bothering to preach the gospel and risk our lives if we can just wait until after people are dead and then be baptized for them then? So Paul is literally refuting the practice, and this is the only place where being baptized for the dead is ever mentioned in the Bible. Anywhere. The Jerome Bible Commentary explains, Paul alludes to a practice of the Corinthian community as evidence for Christian faith in the resurrection of the dead. It seems that in Corinth, some Christians would undergo baptism in the name of their deceased, non-Christian relatives and friends, 
hoping that this vicarious baptism might assure them a share in the redemption of God. It's widely accepted by... So now, I, I don't have this, this commentary. I would like to go look, because I would, I would expect, if you go on to look, that uh, Klugman or Krugman or whoever actually negates the practice as well. Paul was refuting the practice of these people who are being baptized for the dead, and he's doing it by saying you don't even believe in the resurrection. Modern scholars that baptisms for the dead were happening. But to be fair, some faiths assume that instead of shedding light on an accepted practice, Paul was actually condemning the practice. You are free to interpret it as you see fit. That I would say all faiths but Mormonism reject uh, look at Paul as rejecting that practice. That said, our doctrine is not just based on this single scripture. It's based on modern revelation to the prophet Joseph Smith, accepted and corroborated by later prophets up until now. So, a few rapid-fire questions before... So you're, you're, you're justifying this on the basis of a false prophet followed by a line of succession of false prophets. Okay, weird flex, but... All right, bro. Before we end, do we consider people we vicariously baptize to be members of our church? Absolutely not. No! Absolutely lying. Because those people who are baptized for the dead find their names on the rolls of the church afterwards. This is, and he's going to get to this in a minute, but Adolf Hitler and Eva Braun were were put on the rolls of the LDS church. Now this may have changed recent and since then, because there was such an upheaval over this, they may not do it anymore. But I were, I bet if I were to be able to get into, to find records and names and membership, I don't know how to do all that stuff, but I bet I could find someone who could. And they would look up my dad who is never a member of the church. And I guarantee you, you would find his name in the membership of the church. I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to try to track that down. We'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that, and we'll come back to that a little later. Give me a couple of weeks or so to, to figure out how I might be able to do that. But I'm willing to bet my dad's name and my mom, who just recently passed away, because of family members who are going to go do those works for them, who have already done those works for them, even though my dad asked that it never be done, I guarantee you. I would bet I would bet this week's paycheck that my dad and my mom's names are back on the membership role of the of the LDS church. Whether Mark or not the they tape. accept that baptism is totally up to them. How are we going to possibly perform baptisms for everyone who has ever died? We believe we'll have a thousand years to catch up during Christ's millennial reign with some help from the other side. I'm reduced to asking for help for my friends. Isn't it offensive to do baptisms for people who died belonging to a different faith? To some people, yes, and the church has taken steps to be sensitive to that. For example, we don't do baptisms for celebrities or Jewish Holocaust victims. And if the person was born within the last 110 years, we're asked to get permission for the baptism from that person's closest living relative. Thanks for watching. Check out the stuff in the description for more info, and have a great day. All right, so there you go. Um, Basically, the Mormon practice of baptism for the dead, where it comes from and so on. Um, and it's just a false teaching. It is absolutely a false teaching. The scripture makes it very clear. It is appointed once for man to die and then judgment. Uh, you are either saved in this world or you are 
already condemned by your sin and justice will be meted out by God to everybody according to a just measure and that's scriptural and it's why we have to preach the gospel at all times and we have to use words because they're necessary and until next week soli deo gloria mm-hmm.